Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast to Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of those places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's fighting coronavirus by singing Texas Fight, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Um, you know, it's th- there have been some great examples of, of what to wash your hands to, the exact place to start and finish in uh, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Um, I don't know that anything is more joyous than Texas Fight, especially if you're doing it in a public bathroom and uh, you have the chance to, um, you know, uh, ruffle the feathers, I'll say, of some being in Houston. I'm surrounded by Aggies as well as Sooners, Gerald. I know obviously you have uh, have more of those Sooners where you're at, but uh, ruffling feathers, you know, never... Uh, Never a problem if it also results in, uh, you know, clean hands and clean hearts. The CDC recommends 20 seconds washing your hands to prevent or kill anything that's on your hands. Uh, from Texas Fight 2 and it's goodbye to AM, if sung at the proper pace that the Longhorn Band plays it at, is approximately 24 seconds. So, an extra four seconds just for good measure to keep you and your family healthy. Wash your dang hands. So, we're not here to talk about... For two weeks in a row, weirdly enough, washing hands. Uh, we've got some things that maybe we want to wash our hands of later on. But the basketball team uh, completed half of the Oklahoma two-step. Baseball team uh, swept the Augie series. We've got a lot of downing the 40. A lot of stuff happened over the weekend. And we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. But the big story now is the basketball team. Uh, they beat the Oklahoma Sooners on just one of the, honestly, one of the best shots, one of the best last-second shots I've seen in a long time. Matt Coleman goes coast-to-coast, coast, fires up a three. They're down by two, and uh, Texas goes up, beats OU at just the most beautiful timing. Right after they started cheering, Texas sucks. The crowd goes silent. It was absolutely beautiful, and then... Texas goes on Twitter on a social media blitz, getting fans to pack the drum. They respond. They move the baseball game so people don't have to choose. And then they lay an egg against Oklahoma State and lose 81-59. to And it really comes down to uh, how poorly they played in the first half. Texas was down 20 and never really was able to overcome that. So, after they played so well for a five-game stretch, Kyle, like how disappointing is this performance? Uh, after you know, how big of a letdown is it really after those five games? Well, Gerald, I mean, it's the last game of the season. If you have a wonderful season, you want to win the last game at home. If you have a a pathetic season, you want to win and and you know take a little cap at the end to uh, lift the spirits. But uh, when you're on a when you're on a heater and you want to carry momentum into a a uh, Big 12 tournament and hopefully parlay all of that uh, momentum and success uh, into a a season-defining kind of uh, tournament run. Um, it was deflating, you know. It, it, I'll say this: there is. I am excited about the Moody Center being smaller than than the drum because even packing the drum these days feels like you know 
getting 80% of the lower uh, bowl filled. Um, I just don't know until we... It looks good on TV. Yeah, right, right. I don't know until we are truly a, uh, a you know, perennial top 15 or 20 team that, you know, the, the, the fans are going to invest in, in the team is maybe some think they should, but we, we can have that conversation. But I, I mean, I just think the, the deflation was real. I think there was a, this was almost, a, they built themselves into a trap. Like if they win great, you know, you're better than this team. You already beat them uh, in their own, own gym. And now you have a last game of the season at home and you're on this streak. Great. You're, you're expected to do that. And if you lose, it just, you know, cuts the legs out of your entire momentum narrative. Um, so it's kind of a, a weird way to phrase it, but it was kind of a trap game. Um, if it would have been a little closer, I think it would have been a little easier to swallow um, and just say, hey, you know, on any given day, any team in the Big 12 can beat another team. Um, we saw TCU go out and, and beat Baylor, you know, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago um, that was not supposed to happen, right? So um, you could chalk it up to that, but, I mean, an 81 to 59 really says – um, you got worked, they punched you in the face and you didn't really respond. You just kind of laid down and said, ah, that's, that, that's okay. This is some bracketologist said we're in either way. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Shaka had had them so motivated, um, for a couple of weeks and, and just looking, looking like they had turned a corner. So it is, um, it is certainly a bit deflated. Yeah, deflating, defeating, um, disheartening because really now I'm back to, doubting what this team can do and I really I felt like those five games that five game run was more indicative of what we'd see from a Shaka Smart team hopefully moving forward what we would see from this group of players moving forward even with all the injuries and I don't know if it was they were feeling themselves or if Oklahoma State was just ready to do and and there's this weird thing with Oklahoma State where they they can they get up for Texas I don't know what it is I guess it's like being the little brother of the little brother (laughs) like I, I don't know what it is, but they seem to just get up for Texas like nobody's business. And so, uh, I mean, Texas shot so poorly in that first half. Like, they were 7 of 28, and that's just not going to get it done. Like, that's never going to get it done. Um, and, and I just don't know. They could they responded somewhat in the second half, but, but the damage was already done. Like, you're down 20. You've got to play the best basketball that's been played in the urban center in the last 10 years to overcome a 20 point deficit. Cause at that point, Oklahoma state just matches you shot for shot and you, you lose by 20. And we saw that's what happened. Cause they were again, evenly matched in the second half. So Texas now falls to 19 and 12. They tied. Uh, there's like that weird kind of, log jam in the middle of the conference. So they end up uh, with a four seed in the big 12 tournament. They look like according to which bracketologist you follow one of the last four teams into the NCAA tournament, but their opening matchup against Texas tech, which by the way, why would you put this game at the, at 1130 on Thursday? Why is this not the primetime game? Another conversation, but uh, their opening round game against Texas Tech on Thursday kind of feels like a de facto play-in game for the NCAA tournament. So what do you want to see from them as they lace it up against Tech on Thursday? Well, I mean, I would like to see some of the things they did where they they beat, you know, consecutive top 25 teams where they, um, you know, played with consistency, even though they were a couple men down, they seem to have found uh, an identity through their scoring and their guards. They, they were playing some, some decent defense. I mean, again, if just to take one game, right at Oklahoma state shooting 14 for 19 in the second half, like it's tough to defend any team if they're just, you know, making them all, but it helps when you are 
going up and heaving up bad shots on the other end. It helps uh, set up teams to do that. So I think, I think you know, defense needs to improve a bit. But I really am, am more watching the offense, how they can facilitate it um, against uh, against a you know a tech team that 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 can give you a lot of trouble uh, with their defense on your offense. And so um, if they're able to you know get all three of their guards. Um, Ramey Coleman and, and Jones going early. I think that helps if one of the big men, you know, step up, I, I that would be fantastic. Um, I just think, you know, I, I hope they don't go out there and live or die by the three pointer and launch 33 pointers. And Hey, if we hit 20 of those suckers, we're probably going to win this thing. Um, but if they're off, then there's no chance. Cause you know, that, that is kind of, it, you live and, and, and die by that strategy, right? It is a bit desperate. Um, so I'd like to see the confidence in themselves that they think they are a good enough team to go out and play basketball with Texas Tech. And, and you know, they, they've had success against them this year. They've, they've won one and played pretty well in the other. So, I mean, if they should have the confidence to think that they can get through this first one, uh, and then they'll figure out what to do with uh, probably Kansas uh, after that. But uh, that's that's a whole other issue to solve, um, a good problem to have if you need to be solving that second issue. I mean, nobody's going to fault you for getting dubbed by Kansas. If you if you lose if you lose to Kansas by 40 points, that's another conversation. But if you show up uh, and play well, and you mentioned, like, the guards, I think – in that five-game run, Texas was a guard-dominant team, and the guards were playing really well. And the guards, you, you mentioned uh, Coleman, Jones, and uh, Ramey, they were, what, like 10 of 30 combined in that game, which is not going to get it done. Ramey was an abysmal one of seven, scored four points. Uh, Andrew Jones, nine points, again, after back-to-back 20-plus point games. So I don't I don't think that'll be the case. I mean, granted, if they're jacking up threes like they were, I mean, you again, between the three of them, 17 three-pointers. So, like, that's not going to get it done. If they if they get aggressive or they attack the basket, that's when they're the best. When those guys are cutting to the basket, when they're forcing teams into bad situations, they're forcing teams to be in the right position, they're, they're, they can lace it up with anybody in the Big 12, especially they showed that against Texas Tech. So, Texas is back on the hardwood Thursday. Early game, 1130 against Texas Tech uh, in what seems to be a de facto win and you're in kind of game. So we will find out who's going to end up in the NCAA tournament uh, early in the weekend. So the baseball team had uh, better fortunes on the 40 acres. They uh, on Friday night got it done thanks to Bryce Elder doing what Bryce Elder does, pitching 6.2 innings for Texas on a 6-1 to one win. The baseball game got moved up a couple hours on Saturday. Uh, Texas managed to pull that one out 4-3 to three after giving up a 3-1 lead. And then Sunday, the bats were hot, hot, hot. Texas won 8-4. to four. There's a lot to talk about, Kyle. We could talk the bats. We could talk whatever. But I think the big, uh, the big thing is 16 games into the season. So about a third of the way in. What are you seeing from the team? What do you like about the team, and what do you want to see moving forward? Well, a thirteen and three start is great. Um, that that's a very good start to any season. Two of their losses coming to you know top ten, uh, or excuse me, one of their losses coming to top, top ten team in LSU and in a Missouri team that surprised some people. Wish they would have pulled that one out. Um, the loss to Arizona meant they lost three out of four when you count that Shriners um, kind of tournament and then that immediately after it. So there was a chance that, hey, what's happening here is they're sputtering. Um, and then they came out and took care of business, got a series sweep. Always good to see those, um, you know, uh, 
Arizona's not a bad team. Again, a Missouri, Arizona, I'd love to see us winning those games. Um, and, and, you know, really only having question marks against teams with numbers next to their names. Uh, maybe baseball America agrees. Cause for whatever reason, they still don't have a 13 and three Texas in their top 25, but that's all right. Neither here nor there. Um, I just, there's a couple guys who have stood out to me when we did our season preview, we talked a lot about the young guys and, and there have been, um, some older, you know, returning players, known entities that I think you've taken a step up for sure. But I have just, been maybe it's you know recency bias i've been blown away by the play a few of our new and young players um i think i think trey faltini i i think has been outstanding i think he is he is absolutely a future star i hope we get multiple seasons of him on the 40 acres so he can truly be appreciated as like you know uh, just a, a fan favorite lovable you know this is the inventor of one of our favorite uh, turns of phrase here on the podcast if it ain't burnt it ain't turnt but he tweeted it monday <laughs> um subtweeted us i think because he knows we we ride hard for it um but uh but yeah this uh i mean i think between him and then two arms and, and i hate to call andre duplantier just an arm because he, he's played well at third base um when he's he's played there as well um but i think pete hansen and, and as i mentioned andre the giant both looking fantastic hansen might be in line as our third Sunday or as our Sunday starter, um, just because he has thrown 17 in- innings in his college career, um, two and zero in that time, and currently has a 0.00 ERA. Gerald, I think that's I think that's pretty good. That seems to be good. It's it's pretty solid. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It, yeah, I'd love a negative number, but 0.00 is good for now. Uh, just kidding. If you're a baseball novice, there are no negatives. Um, and, and in those 17 innings, has an 18 to two strikeout to walk ratio. So the guy's just out there mowing people down, not letting easy runners on base, and getting people out. Obviously, that's how you keep uh, that ERA. So that you know, there is a chance we talked about it in the preseason that he could move into that third spot, and I think he's making his case. I mean, they they like him being the get us out of jams, do everything guy. Uh, but uh, he's just been a revelation to me, maybe even better than advertised. That Sunday spot has been shaky. Like Texas is 3-0 and in those closeout games this year, but the Sunday pitching has, has just been the Sunday pitching. And I think Cal State Fullerton, if they were a better team this year, I think they could have taken more advantage. I think if it's a, you know, a two or three years ago Fullerton team. But you you mentioned um, you mentioned Duplantier as, as a guy that you don't want to talk about him as just an arm, but like the dude has that thing you want from your closure. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but he – when he comes out of the bullpen and he walks onto the mound, he kind of just commands a presence. Like you, you just have to watch him. You have to look at him. Um, and that's that thing you want from, from your closers, a guy that, that has a commanding presence, a guy who can be dominating and, and uh, intimidating on the mound. And I mean, three saves and what he, he's made, I think nine appearances, I think is, is what it is. Yeah. Three saves and nine appearances. And, you know, he closed it out on Sunday, struck out one of the three guys he faced. Um, just really dominant play from the kid uh, early on in his career. And I, and I think if he stays around, he can be that, like, shut it down, closer, like, bring in the Sandman kind of guy for Texas uh, for, for at least another year, hopefully, if he sticks around. 
And the stats on him are a little misleading because he hasn't had save opportunities every time. He's been set up sometimes. He's been truly, hey, we're in a jam here. We need a guy to get us out. But he has had probably three, if not four, really big outings where it's like a lot of pressure for an 18-year-old kid to come in with bases loaded or or multiple runners in scoring position in a really tight game and just have him pitch us out of a jam or strike out a side when you know we absolutely needed it. It's exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't show up in the box sheet necessarily um but it it is it is um it's the intangible killer instinct think about your favorite closer you know as a kid whether it's mario or rivera i always loved gagne um you know they they all did peds it's fine um but you know just some of these like really intimidating guys who just got up there and they felt untouchable unhittable um you know smoltz in his transition some of these guys just felt like well all right he's here you know i i'm i'm just gonna try to swing i mean honestly if you saw what lsu did to us with um with their kind of monster i don't even know if he's a he isn't really a closer, but could be at the the next level we talked about um, after that game. But um, those types of players that it's like it's disheartening to a batter. I think Duplantier could have that because he just he's got a cannon um, and he's he's really I mean, not even growing into it. He's showing that he's ready for this level, uh, at least, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and we talked about a lot of the young guys, but, you know, the elder statesmen are also pulling their weight. The. Like DJ Petrinsky has not had the the most stellar year so far. You know he hasn't had a ton of appearances, but I mean he's he's hitting the ball really well when he's there. Two home runs, leads tied for the team lead with two home runs. Uh, Austin Todd batting really really well. Um, I mean the I just the this looks like a way more complete team than last year. Uh, and I think you know guys like Todd, Duke Ellis, Eric Kennedy, um, Zach Zubia. Those are the guys that. Uh, you want to come out and set the pace and set the tone for your team, and they're playing really well. Now, granted, uh, you know Texas struggled with some of the two SEC teams they faced last weekend, but they came out and dominated a team that they, they should have dominated. Like They came out and on Sunday closed it out in convincing fashion, and the bats were a big reason, which was a which was a question going into the year, right? Because last year it was the pitching would show up and the bats wouldn't, and then the bats showed up when they didn't really need to. Uh, so the fact that the bats are showing up early, I mean, what is it? Texas had Texas has hit like twelve home runs already in sixteen games, which is which is just absolutely crazy. Because um, I I they hit more than twelve last year, but it didn't feel like they hit more than twelve last year. Uh, it felt it felt like they hit maybe one every every fortnight, maybe. Yeah, no, they're, they're truly on pace. Um, I, I think it might even be. 13. Uh, anyways, they're on pace for, for around 40 home runs. Uh, if they keep up this trajectory last season, I think they had 22. So they can almost double what they did last season. You're, you're feeling it. It's correct. They could they could catch, um, you know, by the first OU series of Big 12 play, they could catch last year's total if they just start, you know, knocking them around uh, in the uh, six or so games we have before that. So um, really great. Like like you said, the, the, the outfield all being over 300 after last year, only having one guy eke that out is great. Um, that's what you expect from outfielders. Guys are putting the ball in play, getting on base, stealing bases when they're there. Um, just, you know, timely hits from, from Todd, uh, just really, um, the, the guys who we need to step up have stepped up. And I think there's another gear for a couple, uh, players. I'd like to see Zubia, you know, go full beast mode. I think he's, he's getting back there, but I mean, all in all, I think this Fullerton game was, was a good, um, timely series where we were certainly the better team, but they, they went out and played 
probably with some emotion and some chip on their shoulder, um, you know, claiming the uh, the the Augie legacy, though truly he uh, was a great for both teams. Um, but in sweeping that series, and and um, you know, I, I think. I think it, it is great. They have a few games before Big 12 play. There's a, a, a pretty decent chance that they should win at least just give them five out of six. I'd love to be wrong and let them get six out of six, but be something like 18 and four heading into conference play. And I feel real good um, about that because um, New Mexico coming up, no slouch. But uh, otherwise, they should be favored. And I think even obviously in that series, they should be favored in all of these next uh, pre Big 12 games, and if they keep getting guys like, you know, Hanson coming out of the, the pen, Duplantier throwing well, uh, Dawson Merriman, who we didn't even talk about, who's been truly kind of a revelation, then I think um, as they even out some of the fielding issues, which they seem to be okay now, but they've had a little issue as the bats, you know, keep ramping up that consistency, they can continue to pitch their way out of some, some issues and keep getting W's uh, in, in games that aren't huge blowouts. Yeah, so you, you mentioned the the remaining schedule. So Wednesday, they've got Abilene Christian before heading into their final weekend series before conference play. They'll take on New Mexico. And then next week, they've got Incarnate Word in Arlington, UT Arlington, that is, before starting Big 12 play at Oklahoma. So a big matchup early on. So uh, Texas has the opportunity to go into Big 12 play with a pretty sizable uh, number in that win column. And potentially, like you said, if they win all six of them, they could go in on a nine-game winning streak. That'd be huge. That would be fantastic. So that's the part of the show where we give some shine to the rest of the programs on campus that don't necessarily get as much shine or didn't get 20 minutes of podcast time, and we down the 40. So the women's basketball team took care of their job on uh, Saturday against Oklahoma State. Uh, they won 63-52 to 52 on Senior Day. Uh, the seniors led the way for Texas, actually. Joyner Holmes with 17 points, 10 boards. Shug Sutton, 13 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. Now, Charlie Collier didn't let them do all of the work. She chipped in 13 points and 11 boards in a winning effort. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good to see it's a senior day. That's how it should work over Oklahoma State on your last uh, last game of the season, guys, where you should have been watching. Um, but the nice thing is, is they also lock in that number three seed in the Big 12 tournament. So on a year when, um, you know, we weren't sure what expectations were, we hoped for both of these teams um, that they, they could do well. I think third place in the conference is probably about right um, for, for the women. And, and it may be overachieved at times for the men, but I, I mean, it's it's we're heading into a Big 12 tournament where both were uh, at least in the top four uh, of the conference, which is a good start. That should be the baseline, I think, every year for uh, for Texas, but it will give a... It will give a matchup. West Virginia has had uh, has given this team some trouble this year, and that's who they'll face in their first game of the Big 12 tournament. So um, certainly hoping they can get it together and get that momentum, as we talked about, at the right time of the season. Yeah, and they're taking some hardware with them to the tournament. Uh, the aforementioned Charlie Collier was named first team all Big 12. Shug Sutton comes in on the second team. Uh, and Celeste Taylor was named to the all freshman team sticking with the ladies doing big things number three softball was a perfect 4-0 in the Longhorn Invitational this weekend beating Liberty 2-0 Texas Southern 13-5 played Liberty again 3-0 and then New Mexico on Sunday which is the big story out of it uh, Miranda Elish pitched 
just the 11th perfect game in Texas softball history, continuing to try to put her name or putting her name, not even try, just putting her name uh, in rarefied air next to uh, names like Cat Osterman. Yeah, I mean, it's you and I are, are protective over our cat, our dear cat, who we um, we both love, adore, and put on our our you know Longhorn uh, Mount Rushmore. It's one of the greatest athletes to ever come through the University of Texas, and we've kind of said, yeah, Miranda Ellis is great, but you know, cat, but I mean, hey. Miranda just continues to to um, make us look silly um, for doubting her absolute greatness. And I am happy to to not that I've ever doubted her, but just happy to reconsider her in the pantheon uh, of all time UT sports figures. If she keeps this up, I also think even though it was the 11th perfect game in school history, I am almost positive that it was the first um First perfect game thrown whilst wearing like a Hannibal Lecter mask. Um, she obviously uh, protects her face after what happened at the end of of last season, getting getting a pretty gnarly knock uh, there. So I, I don't know. I'd have to. I, I don't have photo evidence of the other ten, but uh, she may be she may be breaking some ground there as a trendsetter. I like it. Got to protect the moneymaker. <laughs> Uh, the, her her right arms are money maker. Let's True. be really honest True. about that. Uh, that's yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. Uh, so Texas is gonna spend the next weekend in Tuscaloosa for the T Town Classic that includes two games against top fifteen ranked Alabama. It's their last trip before uh, opening Big Twelve play against Oklahoma on uh, the twentieth of this month. Which that's a big matchup, and there are currently five teams in the Big 12 ranked in the top 25, Texas, OU, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. So the Big 12 becoming a uh, a softball destination akin to the Pac-12. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If, if Texas comes out of that Alabama tournament, um, hopefully, you know, unscathed, then they should probably be the number one team in the country. They've moved up, I think, to number two in one of the polls, still sit at three after beating one and two. But, uh, yeah, OU is... is you know, in some polls, is a top five team as well. So that's a really that's a banger to to open up Big Twelve with probably your two best teams, and again, two teams that could be playing in the national championship. So uh, a lot of great softball to watch here coming up. It's uh, it's diamond season. It is indeed. Speaking of diamonds. Uh, the Big 12 Track and Field Awards were given out this week. Uh, names that you're probably uh, familiar with. Uh, Edric Florial was named the Women's Coach of the Year. Uh, this name I practiced all day and I'm still going to get it wrong. Leo Nugenbauer was the named the Outstanding Freshman of the Year. And Julian Alfred was named the Women's Performer of the Year. So a lot of hardware coming to Big 12 track and field. Yeah, the uh, Nugenbauer sounds like just a good like Midwestern. Uh, I love it. That's a good name. I, I can't wait for four years of old Leo Nugenbauer. Good, good on him and uh, all the folks who took home some hardware for a fantastic season. We're gonna start calling him the Nugs. That's what we're gonna go <laughs> with to save uh, your friendly neighborhood podcast host. Uh, number three men's tennis beat Tulsa and Rice. Over the weekend, they're going to return home for a top 10 matchup against Columbia this Saturday before opening up Big 12 play. Uh, Number six women's tennis already opened up conference play with two big wins over West Virginia and Iowa State. And... Kyle, I feel like you need to talk about this next one. That that one has you written all over it. It certainly does. Yeah, number one women's golf finished fifth at uh, something that's called the Darius Rucker Intercollegiate, uh, hosted in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Um, it, it is a very challenging course, and the weather didn't do anyone any favors. But they had, I think, six of the top eight 
teams competing, so it was almost a, a NCAA tournament um, preview. Uh, hopefully that doesn't shake out because Texas finished a, I'd say, disappointing fifth. Um, they, they rallied. They had some weather stuff, didn't uh, play their best golf, but they, they do remain the number one team, only, uh, again, elite teams uh, in that tournament. So, uh, Gerald, let's just get past the, the, the hard news, and let's look at the, the more interesting part of this. Darius Rucker, and I did confirm he is a graduate of uh, South Carolina. Darius Rucker, obviously a Gamecock. Um, like, what do you have to do? What do you think you or I could make enough money in our lifetime that we could name after ourselves at the university? The porta potty next to the south exit <laughs> of the stadium. Uh, no, that's 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 actually not bad. Um, I I had a similar thought. I was going to say the uh, like the the Kyle Carpenter Memorial Alley behind Cain and Abel's where I would pee on my way. Now, just kidding, officers. I never did that. Um, you know, purely joking here. Obviously, it's statute of limitations. But uh, but yeah, that, I mean, I feel like you just don't hear this. Okay, cool. You're a graduate of the school. What does that have to do with you hosting the women's golf? Tour? Okay, whatever. I could find no. It is like the ninth one of these to happen, but besides him showing up and taking pictures, I could find no tangible connection to why the women's golf tournament is is the Darius Rucker, except that he happened to go to the school. So good on you, Hootie. I got nothing. I I mean, I I kind of blew the whole joke that I had for that on the the porta potty thing. So I've got nothing else to add. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> Malcolm Roach, after putting up a strong performance at the NFL. Combine was named to the NFL All Combine Defensive Team uh, by virtue of his performance at a couple of drills being a top performer. I love that. I mean, we talked a lot about our two receivers on the offensive side and and how they could raise their stock in the combine because they're both athletic freaks. Um, Colin Johnson with the size, Devin DuVernay obviously with the speed, hand strength combination, um, and and you know. We, we kind of talked about, hey, Brandon Jones just always looks like it. People watch him play football and say, oh, this guy's good. And, and you know, hope he continues to have that and, and translates it to success at the next level. But Malcolm Roach was a guy maybe we didn't sing his praises enough because I, I, I think he was – um, supremely validated with a, a great performance. And I hope that uh, puts him in Puna Ford territory where some um, 31 GMs are kicking themselves for letting him slip to whatever round he does. And he just puts together a really, really impressive uh, career, um, despite not being maybe exactly your typical uh, NFL size or, or not having the prototypical position translation at the next level. Yeah, I think Roach is going to be a guy who uh, was – we're going to look back and say, man, Texas really underutilized him when he was on campus. So I really think uh, we're in for a treat there. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So, Gerald, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start slightly interactive with a question for you here, and then and then I will dive into my bang the drum. But um, w- when you hear the name Miles Turner, what is the first thing that you think of? 
bucket hat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, come on. And and why not, right? That was just an amazing um, moment in like, I don't know, 2014 or whatever to be on social media. I'm sure it had a parody Twitter account as those were all the rage back then. But anyways, it was it was deservedly a phenomenon all all season uh, while he was here. And and now I feel like the, the narrative has switched a bit on Miles Turner. He's known as a, uh, a pretty solid offensive player, an elite shot blocker and defensive player, um, and one of the, you know, one of the great bigs in the NBA right now. I think he, he has some some name recognition, some clout. Um, I hope that the narrative on Miles Turner after this story, and I'm not breaking it, I'm, I'm merely uh, quoting what others have reported, but um, becomes widespread, uh, is is that Miles Turner is known as a man with a heart as big as his wingspan or, or, or bigger. Um, he just genuinely seems like a great guy and and i was in a great mood uh until i read the story about um a poor girl uh who who deserved nothing but uplifting and and um support uh amaya moon is an 11 year old and and Man, being an eleven-year-old is already one of the hardest things you ever do in your entire lifetime. Well, amaya moon is um challenging going through the the, the weird awkward preteen years um while also battling cancer and due to her her chemotherapy treatment she's lost all of her hair um she is wearing a wig and some sixth graders because we were all dumb hopefully we weren't this mean but we all made not very intelligent or adult decisions but they decided they were picking on the girl who was wearing a wig to sixth grade and they they snatched her wig off of her humiliating her in front of in front of the school um it's a heartbreaking story it's something that you hope never happens but if there is a silver lining to something terrible um because of that and because her score her story uh was told and because people stood up and said stop the bullying stop the ridiculousness she got a chance to meet miles turner um and it wasn't like, hey, let me shake your hand. I, I, I mean, he sat and he talked with her. There's videos of him just just trying to uplift her. It wasn't just a tweet, hey, guys, this. It, it was action. It was true, genuine from his heart. It was a hug. It was an embrace. It was a, a, a connection um, for a girl who, who ran to the restroom and, and said she got sad and dizzy and left the school and wanted to leave school forever um, to have a hero, a, a man larger than life, stoop down and, and, and hold her in his arms and just say, it's going to be okay, you got this. Um, I, I know it, it chokes me up a little, so I can only imagine how her and her family and those close to her are. And I just, those are the moments in sports that I think are important. And those are the moments that I actually enjoy more than any touchdown, slam dunk, career, you know, milestone it's the human element um, that that sports often brings us, and uh, you already had a huge fan in 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 this podcast, and I'll speak for myself, Miles Turner. But uh, you just got a, a an absolute you know rabid fanatic uh, who who will ride for you the rest of your career because I, I I love the story, um, I love your heart behind it, and I think it's the true Longhorn spirit. So uh, hook up Miles Turner and absolutely hook him a hook him a Maya. Life is hard enough, so bringing try to bring others down is like the worst thing you could possibly do, at least intentionally. And I know, like, I think back to being a sixth grader. You know, I was a youth pastor for uh, five years, and so I get that sixth graders don't usually uh, they're they're impulse machines, so they don't really think through um, 
the the consequences of their actions are the greater picture uh, and that's part of the reason why the adults around them need to help them uh, process through th- those decisions and not um, not just make the the decision in the moment regardless of what it is to um, to hurt people to do just what you feel like is gonna be fun or funny and and um, this is why sports are important and this is why sports are uh, just a beautiful thing we saw um, you know sports trying to lift up and you know we talk about how sports are you know sports are dumb and I hate watching sports when when Texas struggles but like the the bringing people together and being uh, and showing the true humanity of people is just absolutely incredible um and it's it's just so cool to see it so I'm I'm not going as serious I'm normally the one that goes serious and Kyle goes lighthearted uh and we're gonna flip the script today so uh this last week there was a lot of chatter on the internet uh, about another conference reshuffle. So if you can think back to the year of our Lord, like 2010, like, like 2010, 2011-ish, there was a lot of reporting on the internet that the Pac-12, or the Pac, I guess Pac-10 at the time, uh, was going to go out and poach some of the top schools from the Big 12 uh, to join their conference, and Texas was going to be one of those schools. Well, now fast forward basically a decade later, and the Pac-12 is struggling and the big 12 is doing really well have a really lucrative tv contract and fairly attractive uh in that contract is the ability to kind of negotiate your own tier three rights everybody craps on the longhorn network but the longhorn network is why everybody gets to negotiate their own tier three rights and so with the pac-12 floundering uh really with a bad TV deal and a commissioner who seems a bit of a lame duck, uh, Andy Staples on his podcast introduced the idea that Texas, I say Texas, that the Big 12, probably driven by Texas, let's just be honest here, uh, would go into the Pac-12 and poach some of the big names because when the first conference realignment happened, it was all about how do you expand your footprint? How do you expand your footprint? And in the digital age, in the cord cutting age, it's more about how do we expand the brand and how do we add to our brands to negotiate more clout with ESPN and Fox to give us money to broadcast. And so he talked about poaching USC and UCLA and Cal, uh, the Arizona schools, Oregon, uh, Oregon State to make a, a 14 or 16 team conference. And I would absolutely love that because that would kind of accelerate the arms race that needs to happen in college football. I think the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, and probably the ACC should all just expand to 16 teams. Like, expand out, force Notre Dame to join the ACC full-time, quit doing this half-in, half-out thing, and really that would bolster what kind of playoff you could even have. You could take the champion from each of the four conferences and then the highest-ranked whatever two, four schools have an 18 playoff and run with it. So like there's a lot of good that could come of this. And the simple fact that Texas could poach USC and, and create some cool pod scheduling and have some cross pod rivalries. I just, it, there's a lot of good to be having. I'm excited. Uh, even if it doesn't happen, I'm glad this conversation is happening. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I'll share a little anecdote. Um, Cause again, I think statute of limitations have expired. We had to lost Dodds um, come and speak to the Teos. Uh, we have a Thursday had a, or still do, I should say, but when I was in there, um, we observed the hundred year old tradition of, of having a Thursday uh, coffee, which was kind of a, a speaker who talked about some topic and we had to lost odds scheduled um 
well in advance and then the uh alignment kind of craze i guess happened and, and good man that he was he honored his commitment to come and speak to a room full of um of students and the first thing he asked was any any reporters here everything i say is off record but again i think this is could be uh statute of limitations in some color but um he kind of mentioned in in um describing the relationship between A&M and OU. And he said, you know, things get tough um, and you have to make decisions. It's like being in, in, in war and in battle. You want to look to your left and to your right and see people that you can trust. And, and he said, you know, as we did that, um, you know, we very clearly saw who we could trust. And, and the only um, the only kind of peer that we had in our conference was uh, was University of Oklahoma, um, which, you know, is a, a, a hellacious dig uh, at a and M and and probably explains the why they you know pantsed off to the SEC and they're just crushing it uh, obviously since that happened um, but but you know I, I would love to see the idea of kind of the super conference of where we take obviously I think in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would be a part of that um, whoever it is that we bring from the Big Twelve the best of and take the best of the Pac twelve I mean I really hate to say that there's any um, lean meat that could be cut um but you know it, it it probably would have to happen just because you probably couldn't take both of both of those conferences completely um and still have the space with with scheduling and everything it would have to get real creative but uh it could certainly um change the college football landscape in the playoff conversation um and you know just at the right time hopefully when texas is uh maybe you've heard back um or making a resurgence uh it would be it would be appropriately timed um to help you know launch us into the permanent playoff conversation come on with it let's change this the the landscape of college football because what starts here changes the world that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Gitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Guys, it is burnt and it is turnt. <laughs> <laughs>